What's up, everybody? And on this episode of the Arts Effect Podcast, we are featuring our November Champion of the Month, Miss Holly Llewellyn, Head Choir Director at Goose Creek Memorial High School. We're going to get to know about her love of choir, how she began, her teaching career, and everything in between, guys. It's going to be a great conversation. Check it out. And what's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Arts Effect Podcast. Once again, my name is Ray Levan, and I'm the very proud director of fine arts here at Goose Creek CISD. And we are celebrating this episode, our November Champion of the Month, the legendary, many times imitated and never, ever, ever, ever duplicated, the one and the only Miss Holly Llewellyn Head Choir Director at GCM High School. How are you doing, Holly? I'm great. That's a wonderful introduction. I, but did I lie? Mm, I did not lie. <laughs> Listeners at home, I did not lie. She's extremely modest, but she's great. She's great. There's a reason why she's here. So uh, let's just go ahead and get right into it, Holly. So uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm born and raised in Baytown. Uh, I grew up through the Goose Creek system, and I was in band in junior high, and I ended up in choir in high school and fell in love with it, and uh, I got my degree in music, and once I graduated, I came right back to Goose Creek, and I taught a year and a half at Highlands Junior, and then I was at Sterling for six years, and I've been at GCM ever since it's opened, so... Wow. Okay. So, so you kind of made the full loop. Yes. <laughs> and we are blessed. We have a lot of Goose Creek products that come back and teach with us, mm-hmm. including some of your former students. But, right. but, but, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> we will get to that later. So that's awesome. So, so let's just kind of begin with this. What made you want to become a teacher? When I was in high school specifically, I fell in love with um, the process Um, the making of the music, being part of a team, creating something extremely excellent, the hard work, um, the reward of all of that. Of course, I love the music. And um, ultimately, I love the kids. And um, but it's the team effort. It has to become something that is selfless, because you have to give up a little bit of yourself to make the team good. um, Because it has to all become one. And uh, that's the part that I love is everyone working toward one goal, even though everyone is so different. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the beauties of the fine arts is you can't hide. Mm -hmm. Like the people that aren't normally seen, you get seen. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those. I think that's one of the things that draws people to it, I I would think. So here's here's the thing, because, you know, I'm sure as a singer, because you have to be able to sing to teach choir. Let's hope you can sing in order to be able to (laughs) teach choir. Um, Was there ever a point where you felt like you made the decision, okay, I don't want to try and perform or be a star, you know, that go that whole route. And and then I'm going to commit to, to teaching others how to do it. Absolutely. I think that was always my thing. I wanted to be part of the team. Okay. Um, I'm not much of a performer. Um, I like to see the kids showcased, and um, I love the community of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was made to teach and not perform. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's no problem. Um, 
one thing that we asked uh, actually one of your other faculty members at GCM when she had her episode, Miss Martin. Shout out to uh, Gina Martin. Hey, Gina. Um, was we talked about a specific moment where she realized, like, yeah, this is for me. Because we, we know those first years or first year of teaching when the door closes and they're all yours, you got to teach them for the very first time. That's a challenge. Like mm-hmm. that's a lot of people kind of have those horror stories where they kind of giggle or, or smirk and, and they kind of flash back to the craziness that was that. Mm-hmm. And we talked about there was one moment where she's like, yeah, OK, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Was there that experience for you ever? Um, I had an interesting start um, because my student teacher was not nice to me, who I student taught with. And she told me that the only thing that I was good enough to do was turn the lights off and on at the concert. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Say that again. (laughs) The woman that I student taught with told me at the Christmas, I asked if I could direct at the concert. And she told me the only thing that I was good enough to do was to turn the lights off and on. I'm trying. The only reason why I'm not <laughs> speechless is because we're on a podcast. Like my jaw is on the floor. I yes. cannot imagine that. So that's I, crazy. I was terrified. I thought, here it is. I've gotten a degree in something that I'm not capable of doing. Great. So what am I going to do? And um, I just so happened to um, there was a job opening in January, and my parents were like, "Hey, we, we're going to need you to make some money." And so I thought, "I'll do this for a semester, and then I'll find out what I'm really going to do with my life." <laughs> and so I came in in January, and I was terrified of the kids. I walked in my first day, and the kids were like, "Are you our sub?" You know, <laughs> and I, I said, uh, "I would like you to all just sit down," you know, and I told them. No, I'm going to be your new choir director. And I introduced myself, and they stood up and jumped and clapped. And I thought, well, I'm in the right place. I've already won. They, there you go. I'm already a winner. You didn't have to work that hard. So that was the first like instance where I thought, there's no pressure here. They don't expect anything from me. They're just happy that I'm here and that they're moldable. So that was the first thing I thought, okay, this is going to be okay. And then that same year, I took kids who didn't do anything in the fall to UIL, I came in in January, and I took them to UIL, and we made fantastic scores, and I went to the Splashdown Choral Festival, something that I didn't even know existed. I went to the festival, and I had a sixth-grade choir perform, and a seventh- and eighth-grade girls treble choir perform, and I just was, I didn't know what I was doing, right? So I just thought, oh, yay, they did great. I'm proud of you. Big hugs. Let's go to Splashtown. And then I got home that night, and Denise Eaton, who's like a choir god, she called me, and she said, you didn't pick up your trophies. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, there was like this big award ceremony and like both of your choirs won the division. And everybody was like, who is this girl, Holly Hopper? And I was like, you got it. I thought she was kidding. And so that night, my dad rode with me to Spring High School and we picked up the trophies and I beat everybody else in the Houston area out the very first year I took them. That doesn't surprise me, ironically. (laughs) It doesn't surprise me. But... That's got to be satisfying. It made me feel um, like, okay, I can do this, that I can't let one person deter me from Mm -hmm. what I know that I'm capable of doing Mm -hmm. and to stop me from a dream and that there's always going to be haters and people who are going to tell you things and you have to have the strength within yourself to realize who you are and what you're made for. Yeah, because there's a really, 
I think we need to sit there for a second because a lot of people kind of gloss over that whole student teaching experience and people that the, your cooperating teacher is like, well, I got to run my program. I got to do this. I got to do that. But you have to take the time mm -hmm. to grow and pour into the person that's placed into your care. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, if they're not any good as a result of that, that's your fault. If you're pouring and you're doing the things that you're supposed to do and they're resistant to that, that's a different type of conversation. But literally, if someone is there just to soak it all up mm -hmm. and you've predetermined that they're not going to be any good and you treat them as such, that's your fault. And that's poor leadership. Because, I mean, we, we've talked about it on the podcast before. As teachers, we have a legacy. You know, you know everybody remembers you for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. It's just you choose how they remember you. Mm -hmm. And it's such so unfortunate that, that you had that experience because you're never going to forget that person mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. And now look at you. Now your choirs are probably better than their choirs. She was a fantastic teacher. Um, I think she was just caught up in what she wanted to do. And um, I did learn from her. I learned a big lesson, and I have been better for it. So. And I applaud you, Miss Llewellyn. But Thank I'm gonna, I'm going to talk your stuff for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, whoever you were, ma'am or sir, you were dead wrong. <laughs> and she gets to work with me. So how about that? <laughs> so we're we're thrilled about that. So I mean that I mean that's just an amazing story. That that's a great story and and shows the resilience and perseverance it takes to be a teacher or at least to get started. Because a lot of people forget that. Like get the first three years are the hardest. Mm -hmm. Then after that, you kind of get that momentum going and, and then you kind of know what to do. So speaking of which, um, the basics of just teaching choir have to be something interesting. So let's start here. The, okay, my baby sings along with every TikTok. <laughs> yes. She, she, he or she is a karaoke God. They just kill it all. And then you go into choir Completely different animal, yes. completely different thing. How do you go about molding that raw talent? I, I love the raw talent. Um, karaoke builds confidence. Um, if they can sing with a karaoke track, they can count and listen and know when to come in. And they're practicing and being in front of an audience. And we love kids that do those things. Um, choir is different. It's more a classical um, approach to singing. It's it's an approach where they're li they, they build healthy techniques so that they can spend their whole lives singing and not hurt their voices. Because we've heard people who've gotten older um, who don't sound as good as they did when they were younger because they've abused their voices or whatever. And so choir is a technique. And also when you think about doing something as a team, you know, you have, you know, we were all born in different homes. Some of us are from different countries. We spoke, spoke different languages, you know, and we all have a different dialect in the way that we speak. And so when it's time to sing, we have to come up with one way for all of us to come together. And it's, we have to sacrifice a little bit of who we are to become a part of a choir um, because it's so personal. Our voices are like part of our body um, and the way we speak and the way we were raised, it's all wrapped up into that. And so we've got to come up with a way for us to agree that we're going to all give up a little bit of ourselves to do it together so that we can create something bigger than us um, as a team. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of diction, just how yes. 
someone talks. I mean, we're in Texas, so it can get <laughs> the, the the twang is real. Yes, the yes, twang it is. can be can be very real. <laughs> what are you talking about? This yeah. is how I talk, Miss Llewellyn. I need to. We gonna sing a little bit. <laughs> you know, I mean, being able to give up some of that a part of your identity, mm-hmm. and that can be scary. I think yes, at it times. is. Because it's, that's who you are, or, mm-hmm. or they'll feel attacked at their cultural level. Right. I mean, that's that, that's crazy. Or the idea of something like solfege. Mm-hmm. Solfege is a system that we use to teach kids how to read music. Um, it it is tried and true. It is proven. Um, it also coordinates with the Kodai method. So there's hand signs that go along with it. And there's, it's like a kinesthetic movement that goes along with learning notes. And it trains our brains to get certain intervals between pitches. Um, and it's, it's been really successful for us. And our kids just do so well. And it's what's widely accepted across the United States, the world. Um, and it's just our way of teaching them to the language of reading music. And for, for those listeners that are uninitiated, um, <laughs> that it's do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Now, that's over an oversimplification. All of my college theory professors don't call me and say, tell me what I missed. I'm just <laughs> doing the very, very basics. But, I mean, but that, that's where everything starts with. So, I mean, it's just so different and such an amazing thing to, to hear and see mm-hmm. the transformation mm-hmm. of the students, you know, from where they start and where they become. And it's, and it's just like you said, I, I love that point that your voice is part of your body. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different. I'm an instrumentalist uh, by nature and slash trade. So I can pick my instrument up or I can put it down, but my voice is always with me. Mm-hmm. And just how you safeguard it, mm-hmm. you know, just even if you talk too much, that's going to affect how you sing later. Exactly. You know, all that, that, that's a mind-blowing thing. So doing what you do, moving on, Miss Miss Llewellyn, doing what you do, uh, give the listeners a little sneak peek of what's a what's it like to be a choir teacher like schedule-wise? Like like what's your what's your day look like or what are some of the events you have to prepare for? Okay. Well, in our school, we have um, several performing groups. We have a boys' choir, we have a beginner girls' choir. We have a treble choir, which is an advanced girls or a JV girls. And then we have a varsity mixed choir, which sing, those all of those groups sing classical music. And then we have two pop groups. One of them is platinum, and it's a mixed show choir. And then we have crimson, which is a all-girls show choir. And um, we stay super busy. <laughs> We're busy all the time. We try to offer lots of performance opportunities for all the kids um, we also compete every time that we can. So in the fall, we spend most of our time learning region music, which is dictated by the state of Texas, and everyone in the state learns the same pieces. They're typically collegiate-level songs. Um, and we at GCM mostly teach it to all of our students. We at least expose it to them, expose them to it, so that they have the opportunity to compete and they have a fair playing field if they choose to. Um, but when it comes down to it, not all of them in the beginner groups choose to, um, but our JV and varsity groups have to compete. And um, I just think that competition gives you something to work toward, and it pushes the kids forward. It exposes them to a difficulty level and a literature that they would never see. Um, And I've always seen them move forward, and our kids are very successful in it, and I think it benefits our program in every way. Um, we also, um, compete in UIL in the spring. 
It's my favorite time of year. I love the choir. I just love the group and taking something and making it incredible as a team and just refining it and refining it and refining it. Some kids never are expected to be excellent. And um, I think when they're a part of something that has worked so hard and it's just excellent, they feel proud of what they have done and they've moved forward as a person. They've learned to love the work and show that it pays off, that hard work does pay off and it's worth it. Yeah. And I love that. They've never expected to be excellent. Mm -hmm. And I think in some cases, because they haven't been expected of them to be excellent, they themselves don't know that they can be excellent. Exactly. Unfortunately, there are many times where people lower the bar until people make it. Right. Okay, well, this is good enough because they lower the bar until people make it, but they don't have a bar that's high. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're going to work and we're going to bring you to it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. When I told the kids, I was like, if I did not love you, I would expect less. But I do. I believe in you. You are capable and I have a will that won't quit. So you're either getting on my train or you're or you getting ran over, buddy. <laughs> because they are all capable. They are. And they need somebody to believe in them. And they need to prove to themselves that they're, they can. And they can. They can go to the next level. Um, and I just don't want to ever allow mediocrity and for them to be left behind and to think that they're less important than the person sitting next to them because that's not true. Yeah. That, that's where I should thank you for being what my, my friend and a friend of the district, uh, Mickey Smith, uh, calls a sound adult. <laughs> thank you for being a sound adult because every child needs someone to believe in them. There are so many that, that don't have anyone, or even worse yet, they just feel invisible. So, you know, thank you for instilling that, that just being a part of your classroom and, and, and the daily life that they lead. And I see it all the time. So this isn't just talk for the podcast. This is what <laughs> she does day in, day out. This is just who she is. So going through all of that, that's bound to be stressful. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to switch gears. We, we're going to start talking about you right now. <laughs> okay. And now she's shifting in, the, in, her, in her seat because <laughs> she doesn't like talking about herself. Um, so how do you f- try to find the balance or cope with the stress associated with, with doing what you do? Because think about everything you just named. You're a very busy lady mm-hmm. with a family. It doesn't quit. It doesn't mm-hmm. stop. It's it's all all gas, no brakes. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that, or or try to find that balance, or at least that moment, those moments of peace to re-energize? I think I'm always constantly trying to find the middle um, because I push too hard one way or the other. Um, I believe that um, the healthier I am in my life, like as as far as sleeping and eating and um, you know, reading my Bible and, um, you know, spending time kind of staying centered, the better I am everywhere. But I also, in the recent years, because I do love UIL, I love to compete, I love the performance, but I realize that that's just one day out of the year. And I have been trying to focus for the past several years to find joy every day um, because it can always be worse, you know, and there's so, there's a million wonderful things happening. And sometimes we let the negativity creep in and we focus on the one bad thing. And so I try to look at what's going great because there's a lot of great things that are happening. And if you focus um, on gratitude, 
you you can come out of almost anything. I mean, you can go, okay, I can do this because this and this and this happened. Um, because we're fortunate where we live and what we are exposed to, um, we need to be more grateful for the things that we do have because so many things are going right. Um, even when we're perfectionists and we hate when one thing goes wrong, yeah. um, that one thing can destroy us uh, and it's not worth it. It steals our joy and it affects other people around us. And I want to be a light in the world and positive. Um, and some of these kids, like I'm the best part of their day. And when I'm not on my A game, I'm thinking, what have I done for them? Yeah. You know, they deserve more. They deserve more of me every day and for me to be my best because I expect it of them, you know. And so um, I think for me, that's it. I always try to find the balance. Sometimes I'm better than others. Um, I've gotten better with age and time and like having a bigger, broader perspective of what's really important. Um, And the pandemic did that. You know, it made us appreciative. Like I'm appreciative just to be able to sit next to someone and sing without a mask on, you know, and to have all my kids back it, you know, it's just like little things that we take for granted. Yeah, I know one thing I found uh, during the pandemic was a lot of people had to reestablish and reconnect with their why Mm -hmm. because that why somehow very cleverly and subconsciously shifted to winning trophies and winning competitions and advancing and mm-hmm. and and all of these other things because that's what it was all about. It was from one comp we were prepping from one comp for one competition to the next or one event to the next, and the joy of just teaching mm-hmm. the the content, just teaching the art, got lost in there somehow. Right. And I I, I know of a band director. He told this story once where. Um, his group did exceedingly well, and he, and he thought they did amazing. He it moved him to tears. He was crying. And he goes back to see the kids, and they were like one short of being grand champion at some mm-hmm. marching contest that they went to. And the kids were crying, too. So he thought they were happy, too. No, they were, like, heartbroken mm-hmm. because they thought they had let him down because he didn't win. And that was like a light bulb moment for right. him. Like, what have I been doing? Right. I've been teaching them to win a trophy. I haven't been teaching them to do their best mm-hmm. and to live in that excellence that you talked about. So that story, you know, even though it's someone else's, that that taught me a lesson. Right. And I think during the pandemic, it was kind of the same thing because you saw so many people in the midst of us trying to figure out what to do, just period, especially in fine arts. It's like, well, wait a second. How do we teach people to sing over zoom yes (laughs) how do we have band over zoom yes you know visual arts has something to you could kind of make that happen a little bit because it's so individualistic but those performing groups where we perform as a group Mm -hmm. everybody's just kind of looking around at each other like oh man uh what are we supposed to do right and how to reconnect with that Another thing that happened to me in the pandemic, um, I think sometimes we lean on our best kids all the time. And um, I had a bunch of A-team kids at home, like most of them. And the ones who showed up in class were the ones who kind of hid behind. And I demanded of them just as much as anybody else, and they rose. And it made me feel ashamed that I was seeing them as B-team all that time. And they rose to an A-team, and I had one of the best experiences with them performing 
when they all came together that year in the spring of 2021 because those kids at home already had it. And I allowed, when they weren't there, for those other kids to shine. And so we were double time as good yeah. um, when that happened. And so that's why we, ha- we can't overlook someone because they have it. They just maybe need more nurturing to get there. And I think it's easy because we're trying to, you know, meet the goal to lean on those kids who are already stars. But those other kids need championing, championing too because they are capable. We just got to give them the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Sometimes they just need the light. Yes. Because it's just like, well, where did all this come from? And it's kind of always been there. Mm-hmm. You just kind of didn't notice. And that's, that, that's a hard thing to swallow, too, mm-hmm. when you realize, if, when and or if you realize that. It's like, oh, man, I've, what have I denied this kid just by not noticing their talent or not taking a second, mm-hmm. being so focused at this or that. So that's a, that's a great, great point. Um, so in your opinion, what's the most fulfilling thing about your job? Um, of course, the two things that I love the most are the kids and the music. The kids and the music, but... Um, you know, I was, when I was Not younger, the fine arts director. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> when I was younger, I wanted to win. You know, I wanted to win, and I wanted to prove something, and it was about me, some. You know, um, but as I've it's gotten, probably about that student teacher. <laughs> as I got older, um, it's been about the kids and their joy and the experience and how much they grow. And I will say, like one of the proudest things that I have now is that I have so many students that are teaching. Not, I mean, they, I have tons that are just teaching, but I have many that are teaching music. And um, this past year, I happened to have like four of them eat lunch with me at our summer conference. And they were talking about what they're doing with their choirs and how they're having sectionals. And this is what's happening. How do I teach my boys choir this? And it was just like, oh, my gosh, I've raised these babies and they're out there and they're doing it. And they're influencing all these kids' lives, and how far is this reach going to go? And um, I think now that's one of the proudest things for me is that it's going to go continue on for however long. Yeah. So. Yeah, that light doesn't die. Mm-hmm. That light doesn't die. Well, I can I can speak for two of them <laughs> uh, because we've been able to hire two of your former students. Yes, it's and they're exciting. doing an amazing job. It's extremely exciting. It's extremely exciting. So, on the fl- now we got to get to the flip side. What's the most? We won't say the worst. The, <laughs> what's the most challenging part of doing what you do? Um. I don't, I mean, you can say paperwork, things like that, that aren't fun or when things don't go right. Um, I think early in my career, I had, I had some instances where um, some parents came at me um, over things that I didn't understand. And um, I, I just like attacked myself over it. Like, what am I doing? You know, but I do feel like when everyone feels loved, when all the kids feel loved and they know that your intentions are good, you can expect anything of them and they'll go with you and they don't question it. And I think maybe um, earlier in my career, I was too hard and I was trying to win so bad and approve something so bad that um, I hurt some kids in a way um, because I expected so much and I was short with them and, and I've made them not feel enough. And I felt like 
I hated that. I hated that part of it um, because they are why we're here, you know. And I, I felt like maybe it was too much about me and not enough about them. And so that's hard. And, and it's like an emotional tie to what we do because we love them so much. That's hard. It's hard because you can't fix everything for them. Um, and you realize I'm affecting their lives and maybe I'm not enough what they need right now. Um, and so that's hard. It's hard because you just want to be everything for them and sometimes you're just not enough. Yeah. Or you want to fix it so bad and you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can completely understand that. I relate to that completely. So thank you for all of that, Miss uh, Llewellyn. So now we're getting to the fun part of the podcast. <laughs> we're getting to these rapid fires slash random questions okay just so the people can get to know you better the arts effect podcast we're all about the people you know we're in the people business so we want the people to get to know you better so we're going to hit you with some random questions okay are you ready i'm ready you're sure i'm sure (laughs) okay first one are you besides the music are you ocd about anything everything i'm ocd about everything everything yeah pretty much i hate to say it Okay. Let me explain. Okay. So when I go to the grocery store, I make a list in the order of the store. Okay. And I buy my groceries in that order. Of course, it's with all the cold items at the same time. I put them on the cart backwards of how I want them into my car. So that when I load them in my car, they're the way I want to take them out at home. I'm sorry. That's who I am. (laughs) That's serious business. I've never even heard of that. Wow. Okay. So... Speaking of food, <laughs> if you're in charge of the office vending machine oh. or the school vending machine, mm-hmm. whichever one, what three items would you make sure were always stocked? Oh, I'm a fan of salty sweet. Um, Everyone on the podcast does salty sweet. I would say it has to have a warm cinnamon roll with icing overflowing. In a vending machine? Yes. Yes. They have to come out hot like Cinnabon. Excellent. That, that's excellence. <laughs> that's vending excellence right there. Um, Something Mexican. Something Mexican food. Something like good with queso and tortillas. And this is You understand <laughs> this is vending machine food, right, hey, Miss Luan? we're going to dream, we're going to put it in right. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Hot nachos and, and warm cinnamon rolls coming out of a yes, vending machine. Um, and then I don't know what else. I think I'd, I'd like um, something indulgent, um, maybe like uh, a great cheeseburger or something. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to if say. If I had to do a vending machine, I would definitely go maybe some chips, cookies, and candy. Okay. Just no, no particular ones? Um. Considering how you put your groceries in your car, there are very specific <laughs> brands that are coming to mind. Uh, I, my favorite candy bar is a Heath bar. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I love Heath bars. Um, I An aristocrat. Love, okay. <laughs> I love um, chocolate chip is good, but white chocolate macadamia nut is probably my favorite cookie. Okay. And chip. Mm, maybe Funyuns. My, I know. The singer wants Funyuns? My road trip go-to is hot Cheetos and strawberry Fanta. That's, wow. <laughs> that's that's thorough. Hot Cheetos and a strawberry Fanta. Yes, it's weird. Wow. But when I take a road trip, I feel like I need it. Okay. Because that breath be kicking like karate <laughs> <laughs> by the time it's over with. Okay. Do you play any games on your smartphone? Yes. If so, what is your favorite? 
Um, I don't know what it's called. Uh, it's just kind of mindless that I can do when I'm like have a moment. My okay. kids, it was my kids. It's called Best Fiends. <laughs> Best Fiends? Mm-hmm. It's something that my kids put on there, and I do it when I have nothing else to do. Like I'm waiting, and I feel anxious, and I need to do something. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. What is something, if you couldn't do music, if you couldn't do what you were doing, what's another career you would consider? Um, I think I would like to work in an operating room. Really? Yes. You want to be the surgeon? You want to be a nurse? Um, probably a surgeon. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Completely. <laughs> Completely. I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to ask it anything. Okay. If you could start your career over, what would you do differently? Oh, my gosh. Um, I would apply all the knowledge I have now. I would be more patient, um, more loving. I would look at people more than being so driven. I would relax and not sweat the small stuff. If you could pick one gadget from any superhero to own, oh, what would it be? Oh, man. There have been a couple popular answers, but we're just going to stick with this one. Gosh, I don't know. Um, you want to pass? You want to think on it for a second? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is there anything that you keep on your desk or workspace area that boosts your mood? I have to have water constantly. I always have water, water boosts your mood. No, I know it's not a mood booster, but it's something that's like constant on my desk. Um, I have a note from one of my students on my computer screen. Yeah. Yeah. That's strong. Yeah. Enough said on that. One. <laughs> Sometimes you just need that. Yeah. Who's someone you'd like to trade places with for a day? Beyonce. I'm not mad at that <laughs> at all. Speaking of celebrities, do you have anything autographed by a celebrity? Um, I have some sports memorabilia somewhere. Um, okay. I was friends with Ricky Williams when he was at UT. Look at you. Yes, I have a football sign by him. Nice, mm-hmm. nice, nice. Okay. Okay. Last thing. Okay. What's the best gift anyone's ever given you? And why was it the best? Well, um, I will say their time. Does it have to be a physical gift? No, no, that's perfect. I that's think perfect because you can, you can buy something else. You can replace that, but you can't replace time. That's it. When people are willing to give me their time, that means more to me than anything else. That's it. Look at you. Arts <laughs> Effect rock star. <laughs> The champ, this is the champion of the month. This is the champion of November on, on this podcast. That's what I'm talking about. Well, Clock on the Wall says that's about all that we have for today. Uh, Miss Llewellyn, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming and being a guest on the Arts Effect podcast. We look forward to having you back because this is not the last you're going to hear from her. We got some other stuff uh, in the lab that we're, we're getting ready to, to release, so it's going to be awesome. But uh, we appreciate you. Guys, rate us, review us, uh, give us five stars. If you give us four stars, that would make you one of the haters that Miss <laughs> Llewellyn is talking about. And we will see you on the very next episode.